Good morning. Well, as we get into Psalm 8, I wanted you to imagine getting a really important letter tomorrow. Imagine it comes through your door, lands on the mat, I mean, really with a heavy thump, because it's beautiful paper, gold embossed writing, a coat of arms in the corner. And as you rip it open, you discover it's from the king of Sweden. And, and he's been doing some digging, Ancestry.com or something in his spare time, and he's discovered that you have royal blood. Not just that, but you're a prince, a princess. And I mean, not just any old prince or princess, you are the heir to the throne. Maybe you've been expecting a letter like that, and maybe you've sort of always suspected that you had royal blood. The way you drink your tea, your finger out like this, or, or you have good taste in chandeliers or something like that. I don't know. Maybe you've been suspecting it, but even if you have, it would change your life, wouldn't it? A letter like that. It would make you, make you walk a bit taller. It would, it would make you look at yourself differently in the mirror. It would maybe change the way you dressed. It would certainly change the plans that you have for your life. Now imagine if that letter landed next door and they were the one who had royal blood. How would that make, make you look differently, behave differently, speak differently to our neighbours? Well, Psalm 8 is a poem that does that kind of thing. I think if we, if we really understand the truths that are in this poem and take them into our hearts, it would change us. It speaks to us. It, it would open our eyes to see who we really are who God really is, what the world is really like, and how we can play a part in it. See, this is a psalm that builds a bit on last week. If you were listening to that Psalm 1, the picture of those who committed themselves to God, those who are devoted to him, to living in his reality like trees planted by deep water that bear fruit for all people around them. And so today we're sort of unpacking a little part of that. What does it mean to be somebody planted deep into God, deeply connected to him, having your wife, your, not wife, life, woven into his life. Well, it would look like seeing everything differently. It would look like understanding who you really are, understanding him better, and it would change the way that you live. So let's have a look at how Psalm 8 opens our eyes to see different things. The first thing we see is this. Psalm 8 opens our eyes to see God that he's not just a God kind of distant, far off, you know, a majestic king who's, who's not really interested in us. But look, O oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. That's the first and the last line of the psalm. He's not just God who's distant, but he's our Lord. He's mine. I am his and he is mine. That's a beautiful melody that flows all the way through scripture. From Adam and Eve right in the beginning, walking in the cool of the day in the evening with God seeing him face to face and, and just talking with him in beauty, in complete joy. All the way to the end, we get to be with him and he with us. He is mine and I am his. And if you're a Christian, if your life is knitted into his, then that's what you can say. This is your God. And so it opens your eyes to see him in everything. I mean, to see him in the big things and the smallest things of life. Look at that in verse one and two. You have set your glory above the heavens and from the lips of children and infants, you've ordained praise. So the vast expanse of heaven, I mean of the skies and, and space, declares God's glory. And the tiniest, most pathetic, most needy things in the world whisper and sing of his glory as well. I mean, we're not very good at going out and enjoying the night sky. At least I'm not. I'm usually distracted. And kind of the, the songs of the night sky become a bit of a whisper as we get distracted and go inside and just watch our blue screens instead. So why don't we go outside when it's the next clear night that we have and you'll see 
you'll see God's glory painted across the skies. Or just look at a tiny baby from the biggest things. I mean, every religion has an idea of God being big and powerful, but I think it's unique in Christianity that God is particularly seen and known when we're weak and when we feel small. In the times when, when all we can really see in life is a whisper. That, ironically, is sort of when he speaks the loudest. And so you see here the lips of children and infants. Those little babies who scream and maybe we think of them as just kind of cute, cuddly things or, or inconveniences that stop us from living the life we really want. Well, no, Psalm 8 says, no, these little children are signposts that show us God, how he's woven us together in our mother's wombs, that speak of his glory, that speak of his glory actually much more powerfully than all the other voices in the world. And there are a lot of other voices, aren't there? Things that distract us, that take our focus away from uh, from God, that turn our eyes away, maybe just in distraction because we're busy, or maybe it's the kids themselves that distract us from spending time with God and looking at him. And then there's those other much bigger distractions. I mean, kind of rebellious distractions where, where we hear voices that say, oh, there is no God. Don't worry yourself about him. Just take things into your own hands. That's that's, I think, what it's getting at when it talks about enemies and avengers, not superheroes. It's people who take things into their own hands and want to live their own way and betray God in the process, turn away from him. But even the calls, the cries of little babies are stronger than those voices. So let's pay attention to them. Next time you see a child, I mean, maybe you have them buzzing around your feet at the moment and distracting you from, from hearing this properly, but look at those children and don't just see distractions or cuteness. Look at those children and see God's hand, God's voice speaking to you of his greatness. See, it's in our weakness and our helplessness that God, I think, is most clearly heard. I wonder, have you experienced that over the last few months? Well, God speaks to us and opens our eyes to see him in the big things and the small things. And also, the second thing is this, he opens our eyes to see that he sees us. Did you see that? That's in verse three. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you've set in place, what is man that you're mindful of him? The son of man that you care for him? We're specks in the universe, aren't we? We barely fill, I don't know, a, a tiny little grain of sand portion of all the space that there is in the universe. We barely fill anything and yet we fill God's mind. Does that blow your mind that he thinks about us? The psalmist just can't get his head around that, that God would think of us. I mean, apparently, if you walked 24 hours a day, seven days a week, it would take you nine and a half years to get to the moon. Now think about how tiny our planet is and the moon is in comparison to the whole of the universe. It's tiny, but it would take you nine and a half years to get there. Imagine how tiny we are in the whole grand scheme of things. We're puny and insignificant, and yet God sees us. And he doesn't just see us or pay attention to us, but he cares for us. That's an amazing thing. Um, when I was in, in youth group, uh, growing up in church, one of our youth leaders decided to prove a point and telephoned Buckingham Palace. They phoned the switchboard of Buckingham Palace and asked to speak to the Queen. And obviously they said, no, there's no chance of speaking to the Queen. So he phoned them again and did it day after day for, for quite a, a few days until somebody from security came on the line and said, if you call us back again, you'll be in serious trouble, something along those lines. And he didn't call them again, but he was trying to prove a point that as nice as the queen might be if you met her on a rope line somewhere, she would, I'm sure, be quite attentive and listen to you and be very polite. But 
That's nothing compared to the fact that God, the God of the universe, sees us and knows us personally and cares for us. That you can come and speak to him whenever you like in prayer. We'll do that in a minute. But God cares for us, sees us, loves us, knows us. Why? Why would he do that? Well, because he made us. Because we're stamped, we're crafted with his image. He's woven us together in our mother's womb and given us a purpose in life. So, I mean, that's really comforting, isn't it? When you think about, when you feel that nobody really cares about you, God cares and sees you. When nobody understands you or knows what you're going through, God knows and God understands. Maybe you think about the government and it's passing over us and making all these rules that that make my life just much more difficult. They don't seem to understand or to care about me. Well, God, the one who governs the whole universe, knows you and cares about you. That's a stunning and really encouraging thing. doesn't matter who forgets you. God remembers you. That was in the psalm from last week as well. Do you remember that? The Lord knows the way of the righteous. He sees us and he knows us. I am who he says I am. So what is a person? What am I? Well, three things I reckon we could take home with us from this. We're created, we're crowned, and we're commissioned. Did you see those? The next few verses. He made him, humanity, a little lower than the heavenly beings. We're created, we're crafted. God made us. We are not accidents. God wants you to be in this world and has put you here. He purposed for you to be here. You are created, made by him. And crowned by him as well. Whatever background you come from, however royal or not royal the blood is that flows through your veins, you are crowned with glory and honour because you are a part of the human race, because you're one of God's creations. That's a stunning thing. It means that you have incredible dignity, that there's real honour in being a person. That's where we get our idea of, of fairness, of all men being created equal, of, of justice, of needing to treat other people, whether they're rich or poor, whether they're whatever skin colour, whether they're from that country or this country, whether they're old or young, whoever you are, if you're part of the human race, you are crowned with glory and honour. You have an identity. You don't have to invent by yourself. You don't have to, to just discover it in your heart. No, you have an identity that God has given to you. He's made you and crowned you and then commissioned you. That makes us think all the way back to Adam and Eve who were given this job in the garden, who found themselves in this beautiful garden in the midst of a huge world that was full of chaos and wild animals. And the garden was beautiful, but God gave them this job to, to go out of the garden and make the whole of the rest of the world a garden, to take that chaos and make it order. That's exactly what God had been doing, that he took chaos and brought it to order and made the world and a garden. And then he puts us into the world and gives us the same job. He says, go and, and take the raw materials of creation and rearrange them. Do something creative with them. Rearrange them for the good of other people. Go and love others. Go and do justice. Love mercy. Show kindness. Be fair. Be good. Bear fruit. God commissions us. You see, he sends us out into the world to do what he's done. And so whatever your job is, if you're a window cleaner or brain surgeon, if you're if you're rearranging stuff on the shop floor, if you're, if you're cleaning the kitchen, if you're tidying up after, after children, if you're in the manufacturing business, if you're teaching, whatever it is you're doing, you're doing something with the raw materials of the world and rearranging them for the good of other people and for God's glory. 
or, or you're taking the chaos of a kitchen and you're making it ordered. And do you see that? That is royal work. It's not just an imaginary story that we're royalty. You're not just prince or princess of Sweden or wherever. You are royal in God's bloodline. You're part of his creation. So he's given you dignity and honour. Do you see that? Whatever you've done, whoever you are, you are valuable in his sight. He's given you purpose. So that if you're breathing, he wants you here. He wants you to be here. And he's got work for you to do. So somebody's put it like this. There are no ordinary people. You have never talked to a mere mortal. It is immortals whom we joke with, work with, marry, snub and exploit. There are no ordinary people. Do you see, this is, this is like the, le- the person next door receiving that letter as well. It's not just true of me, it's true of you and of every person in humanity. So we need to treat each other with kindness and care and love and do good to one another. And yet when we look at the world around us, it's not really like that, is it? There is a problem, isn't it? It's almost as we sing through this psalm, you can, you can feel the discord of the world around us. And there's a hilarious video on YouTube, you could look it up. If you just Google fox flute, you'll find the 20th century fox music, you know, from the beginning of films, which is all grand and epic you know, as you begin the, the movie. And then somebody starts playing a recorder over the top, attempting to play the same tune, but just failing miserably. It's, it's, hilarious. it's hilarious, go and look it up. But I wonder if, We sometimes feel, or I feel like reading through the psalm, that that's what my life is, that this is a grand and beautiful psalm that paints an amazing picture of human life as it should be. And then you look at my life. And then you look at the world and you just think, oh, it's a mess. So you see, we don't just see God in this psalm. We don't just see that he sees us, but we see ourselves too. We see that we're made for glory and for greatness. We're made for a purpose. And yet, yet we seem to have missed that. We seem to have walked away from that. We seem to be people who, rather than being good at making things and and bearing fruit for the good of others, we're, we're much better at breaking things and at hurting others. That we try and plant fruit trees and and grow, you know, metaphorically, and grow goodness in the world, and yet we always just end up with thorns. We always just end up breaking things and hurting other people. And so the world that we see around us isn't so much fruit and life and joy, it's more like thorns and blood and sour, it, it just doesn't taste good. It just doesn't really seem to fit with this. So, so what's going on? Because it's not just when I look out at the world, is it? But it's when I look at my own life that I see thorns. And in my own heart, I see I, I'm not just not in control of the world around me. I mean, COVID's proved that, hasn't it? You know, you say that we're supposed to be rulers over the works of our hands, that everything's under our feet, that, that we're supposed to be like Adam and Eve around the world doing these wonderful things, but we're not. COVID's proven that. I look at my own heart and I can, I can barely control what, what I do when I get angry or what I say when I get angry. So this isn't quite true of me. So what do I do? There's a, a line in a great storybook called Prince Caspian where this huge great lion called Aslan is talking to the children who are the main characters in the story and he says this. He says, you come of the Lord Adam and the Lady Eve And that is both honour enough to raise the head of the poorest beggar and shame enough to bow the shoulders of the greatest emperor on earth. Something's gone wrong, hasn't it? We're glorious and yet we're ruined. Like a castle you could go and visit and have a great day out at this ruined castle, but it's just not what it should be. 
should be full of warmth and light and life and banqueting and joy, but instead it's just moss and wreckage and rubble. Does your life, does the world ever feel like that to you? We really want it to be like this, but it just doesn't look like that. And we try so hard to make it so and fail so miserably so often. Well, the reason, the reason for that is because we've turned away from God. We've betrayed him. We've tried to live in our own way. We've tried to create our own meaning, to, to create our own ways of living. We've, we've not lived mindful of God, but mindful of our own our own ways, our own desires. And so things have gone terribly wrong. So what can we do? How could we ever sing this song and look forward to the world actually being like this? Well, the answer is that there is one person who's lived this out to the full. I mean, completely fully, there is one person who was made for a little while lower than the angels. There's one person who was crowned with glory and honor, who now has everything under his feet, and his name is Jesus. Jesus was the one who was created. Think of those three C's. For a little time, lower than the angels. I mean, he, he was before. He's always been God. From before the beginning, he made us. But then he stepped into this world and became a, a child, a little baby, and grew up like us. We're going to sing about that at Christmas, not, not too far away. Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. You get to see Jesus as the last thing that we see in the passage. We see Jesus and we see him commissioned. He has a job to do. He has a job to come and bring beauty from chaos, to bring light from darkness, to bring life from death. And that's Jesus's job. And how does he do it? He does it by being crowned, but not with a golden crown, at least not yet. He came to be crowned with thorns, the thorns of the mess of this world. But literally too, he was crowned with thorns and then nailed to a cross and crucified and died suffering all that, that we deserve for the mess of this world, taking all of our brokenness, all of our failures, all of our betrayal of God, all of our sins on his own shoulders. He took it all on himself and died with it and took it away. And then three days later, he rose to life and got a real crown and is now the king over absolutely everything. You see, this is a psalm which is not just about me and you and about what humans are supposed to be. It's a psalm about Jesus. He's the one that we see we see God, our Lord, and then we see that that's Jesus walking among us, crowned with thorns to die for us, and then raised up in glory to be our king. So that if we're connected to him like that tree, if you're connected deeply into Jesus, he's not just an example for you to follow. He's not just another you know, stick to beat yourself with and say, oh, well, I try to be like Jesus, but I just can't quite pull it off. That's not what Jesus is about. No, Jesus has come to do this for us. So are you tired of just trying hard to be all you know you should be? Are you exhausted by life, especially in, in these last few months, just trying to live up to what you want to be? Are you exhausted? Well, Jesus opens hands, opens his hands that have been scarred by this world and says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Are you haunted by failures in the past, by stuff that you've done that just hangs over you, well, bring that to the Lord Jesus. Lay it at the foot of his cross and say, Lord, would you take this away? Would you deal with it so that I can be clean? Are you hurting because of stuff that other people have done to you? That they haven't treated you justly or fairly, that they haven't honoured you as you deserve? Well, bring that to Jesus and you'll find that he is caring. 
you'll find that he sees you, that he's mindful of you, that he is your Lord who knows you and loves you and cares for you. Are you longing for a better world? Well, then you need to come and know Jesus. Come and be connected into his kingdom. Come and, and leave behind your past and come to him. How do we do that? Well, we do all of that in prayer. Whatever you're feeling, however you are at the moment, we do all of that in prayer as we come to him and say, Lord Jesus, would you open my eyes to see you? Would you open my eyes to see myself? That I would see the glory of humanity, but also our, our sinfulness. And then would you help me see your cross? Would you help me see all that you've done to put it right? And would you make me a part of that? Let's pray as we close. Lord, we thank you so much that you do open our eyes. We thank you that you are our Lord. And we pray that you would help us to come to you, Lord, and to leave behind our old lives, and to leave behind our part, the part that we played in the betrayal and wreckage of the world. Lord, we are sorry for that and ask that you would make us new, that you would come into our hearts, connect us deeply to you, open our eyes to see the Lord Jesus, to see ourselves and to see the future, that hope that we have. And Lord, would you give us the strength and the help that we need to walk with you from this day forward until we reach our home, we pray. Amen.